grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from Isaiah 49 was a prophecy that Isaiah made about Christ. The prophecy of Christ made over 700 years before his birth. I will make you a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Dear friends of Christ, you've heard it before. There are three rules in real estate, right? Location, location, location. And apparently nobody told God because, you know, Jesus started his ministry uh, in the worst location. He started it uh, in Galilee, the northern kingdom. Um, It had died long ago. God wiped them off the map because heathen countries came and invaded that land and ruled up until the time of Jesus. It was a heathen land. Why would Jesus waste his time beginning his ministry in a place so dark as that? In such a rebellious place. Galilee, the great land of darkness, the great land of unbelief. Why would you start there? 700 years earlier, however, Isaiah had predicted that a light would shine in this dark place. God was going to send a light, a great light, and of course that's Jesus. It's interesting though, isn't it, that God chose a land, the most dark land on the face of the planet, to start his ministry. Location, location, location. That was the place God did his miracles. That was the place that God proclaimed his truth in the darkness. God doesn't follow the path of human reasoning. In fact, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are as higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And, And this morning, I want you to think about that. You know, why would God go to the darkest place on the planet to begin his ministry? Do you think it has anything to do with God's amazing grace? Christ came to spread the light of his love in the darkest of places and the most rebellious of hearts. God loves people. In the end, ultimately, God wants to save the rebellious. He wants to save the stubborn. He wants to save those who are empty inside, those who are struggling. He wants to redeem them. His light comes to shine in every dark place. It's just, will you let the light shine? And so our theme, the light has come. Now, do you want evidence? Do you want evidence that the light of Christ shines in dark places? If you you want evidence, just you need to look no further than your own life. Now, do a quick review of your life and, and see what Christ has done for you. And as you will look at yourself, you'll see that Christ has indeed shined both inside and out. And when Christ shines on somebody, things change. You change. You change how you think. You change how you worship. You change in your understanding. And you can say, yes, 
the light has shined in me. That same saving light of Christ was introduced to the people of Galilee. Darkness had pervaded people there. Again, darkness was consumed in their immorality. Darkness was entrenched in their society, how they lived, what everybody was doing. It pervaded the people there. Very few people there followed the Lord. Very few people obeyed God's ways. Very few people worshipped. They they worshipped themselves. They believed what they wanted to believe. They did what they wanted to do. It was darkness. They rejected the true God, and they worshipped false gods, and they worshipped false ideals, and they worshipped false philosophies and false ideologies. Jesus warned them. You come from the Father, you come from your father, the devil. (laughs) You sometimes laugh at how Jesus attacks, it's so direct. You come from your father, the devil. And you desire to do what your father wants you to do. Yeah, the land was dark. When people and societies plunge themselves into darkness like that, eventually the Lord gives them over to the darkness. He just gives up on them. And when that happens, all kinds of evil begins to burst out in individual lives and in society. Sound familiar? All kinds of sexual sins become good. Paul wrote about people like that, people who are stuck in all kinds of sexual sin in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He talks about the heterosexual sin, the homosexual sin. Paul writes, Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts. It's not a good thing when God gives up on a heart. It's not a good thing when God hands you over to all your evil desires and say, just knock yourself out. If this is what you really want, I'll give it to you. And when that happens, the darkness becomes very dark. The soul becomes even darker. The unbelief pervasive, the rebellion, the most stubborn of kind. And that's how it was in the land of Galilee. Let's go back in history. Let's go back in history to the time just after King Solomon. It had been one kingdom, remember, and then after Solomon, two of his boys wanted to be king. They didn't agree with each other. Uh, and remember how the Solomon tribes, the southern tribes, had their king. They had their man, a man named Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And the northern tribe had their man. Solomon's other son, called Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam wanted to protect his turf. He wanted to protect his power, like all politicians even today still do. And he set up shop in the north. And even built a place of worship so that the people in the north wouldn't have to go down to Jerusalem to the temple to worship. He set up a place so that they could worship up north. And instead of worshiping in the temple, where animal sacrifices pointed to Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, they worshiped their own way. These Galileans did their own thing. 
They worshipped images. Golden calves of Baal. That's satanic worship. It didn't take long for God's people to lose their faith. They, they were so entrenched in that Baal worship. That sensual, sensual, sexual Baal worship. It involved all kinds of act, sexual activity and orgies. It's the way the people wanted to worship. It's what the people wanted. They wanted a God like that. And so they created a God like that. Developed it for themselves. How dark did it get? Well, think of the great showdown. Remember that great showdown on Mount Carmel? I've been on Mount Carmel. If you've been to Israel, you've been up there. They built two altars, one to the false god and one to the true god. There were two altars, 15 feet across. One altar is still there today. The other altar, there's a black hole in the ground. The false prophets prayed to their altar. There were 400, there were 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. They prayed into the darkness. Lifted up their voice into the night. And prayed that their God would consume the sacrifice. How many prophets of the Lord were there? You remember? There was one. Only one, Elijah. And he prayed for the Lord to send down fire, to ignite the sacrifice, to prove that the God of Israel was the true God. Listen to Elijah's prayer. Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are the Lord and you're God. And you know the rest of the story. Almost before the prayer was even finished, fire came down from heaven and not only consumed all the wood, not only consumed the sacrifice, not only licked up all the water that had been poured over the top of it, it also burned up all the stones so that all that was left was a black ash spot on the surface of the mountain. And it's still there today. And I've seen it. All the prophets of Baal, all the prophets of Ashtoreth, you know what they did? The Lord, He is God. For a brief moment, they saw the light. The Lord, He's God. But stubborn hearts prevailed. Darkness soon reconsumed them, despite the evidence, despite, despite the proof that. God is a real God. Despite the victory, the people of Galilee returned to their ways. The people of Galilee returned to their darkness, their dark desires, their false gods, their false ideals. And that's why God would punish the land. And He did. If they wanted to live like pagans, God would let the pagan people conquer them. And He used the Assyrians to accomplish his purpose. Second Kings tells us the king of Assyria invaded the entire land. He captured Samaria where they had built the temple worship for the north. He captured Samaria, which is like Jerusalem, and deported those Israelites to Assyria. Took the people of God to a foreign land. They never got to come back again. 
And then it says the king of Assyria brought unbelievers, the pagans, from their land to settle in to, the, to Galilee and to live there. And they, they settled them in towns of Samaria to replace the Israelites. And now there was more darkness in the land. Galilee. This is the place where pagans lived. Unbelievers. Heathens. God-haters. How dark were things when Jesus' ministry began there? Just read the biblical account. Read, read the events. While there, what did Jesus do? While he ministered in the northern kingdom, what did he do? Cast out the demons of darkness. One guy was really possessed. He was so possessed, he had a powerful, powerful evil spirit. His family would try to chain him so that he wouldn't hurt himself. And uh, the demon was so powerful, he'd break the chains. But don't fear. The light has come. Jesus came and he threw out those evil spirits. The poor man's body went limp and the evil spirits screeched out of the man's body into a herd of pigs. And immediately those herd of pigs lunged themselves off of the cliff into the Sea of Galilee where they drowned. You remember how many pigs drowned that day? 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pork. 2,000 head of pigs. Now remember, pig meat was unclean. It was unclean meat for the people of God. Who was eating all the pork? The heathen. The people living in the land of darkness. The people who no longer wanted to obey God and His Ten Commandments. And the Old Testament laws for worship. This ancient darkness still exists today. Now, I don't know if you've recognized it as I've been going along, but it's still pervasive in our society. It prevails in stubborn, rebellious heart. We know this darkness. We know it firsthand. We see it in the nightly news. We were born into it. We see the darkness all around us. It's, it's trying to creep into our lives. It's trying to capture our hearts. Ephesians 5 reminds us, you were once darkness, you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Now Isaiah describes what it's like for people to walk in darkness. This is what it's like. We hope for the light and behold darkness. We hope for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope for those who have no eye. We grope like those who have no eyes. And we stumble at noon as at the twilight. It's not what we do, my friends. We have Christ. The darkness challenges us, to be sure. The darkness wants to overcome us. The darkness wants to come and destroy our faith, destroy our resolve to follow Christ. However, the Word of God is more powerful, and the Word of God comes to us and instills us a hope. It shines in our hearts. 
It assures us of the truth. For us, the light has come. And Ephesians encourages us, for you were once darkness, but now you're light of the Lord. Live as children of the light. How beautiful it is. This light that shines in your life and mine. And we underestimate it. We underappreciate it. But what happens when Christ's light shines so brightly in your soul and mine? Lives change. Hearts change. People change. We worship God. We come to church on Sunday to praise God for His faithfulness. We sing hymns. We do weird things like pray. We praise God for the light and we thank God for Jesus, the author of our salvation. Isaiah says it this way, You have enlarged the nation. You have increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. It's epiphany. It's the season to rejoice. It's the season to live for Christ. It's a season to reject the darkness. It's a season to embrace the light that is in Christ Jesus. You know, everything belongs to Jesus. Everything that belongs to Jesus, His life, His perfect life, His righteousness, His death, His resurrection, all of it comes to you. He offers all of it to you. His life is yours. His forgiveness is yours. His love is yours. Salvation is yours. Live in the light of His redeeming love. It belongs to you. The darkness of your soul has been lifted from you. That stain within, removed, placed on Jesus. Christ takes your burden. He takes it away and puts it on his shoulders. Yes, the light of Christ shines in, in really unusual places. It shines in Galilee. It shines in your heart and it shines in mine. So that we're able to say, I was blind, but now I see. Implant yourself in Christ's light, this epiphany, and listen. Listen to the Apostle Paul. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be able to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.